Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. If you're just joining us uh, for the first time in a while, we are um, ending a series today called Love Los Alamos. We started off the year just saying, let's love the people around us. God loves Los Alamos. We love Los Alamos. Let's be part of a bigger story in 2020. Like, yes, we're going to grow in our walk with God, but our story is going to involve loving the people around us and loving our community and getting outside of that. Now, to say that is one thing, to go and love Los Alamos, but if you're looking in the wrong places, you can very quickly fall out of love with Los Alamos. So I came up with top uh, eight ways, to, uh, to places to avoid if you don't want to fall out of love with Los Alamos. So it's just, this is the mic break. This isn't any scientific thing. But number eight place to avoid if you want to stay in love with Los Alamos is the streets at 7.30 a.m., the insanity of the people driving to school, driving to work. You got the people riding their bikes. They have a bike lane, but for some reason they don't ride in the bike lane. They ride in the street. Then in the summertime, you got the guy jogging next to you. He's got the flappy flap shorts, and it's just <laughs> gross. And anyway, just the streets at 7.30 a.m. Number seven, the streets at 7.30 p.m., now, you would think, you know, oh, maybe it's dangerous. No, there's just absolutely nothing going on. You want a pizza or anything, forget about it. It ain't happening, not in Los Alamos. So avoid the streets at 7.30 p.m. Uh, number six, uh, McDonald's drive through at lunchtime. I, we've had it for like a year or so. We still don't know how to use the double lane. Is it a single lane? Is there two lines? Then we merge. I don't know. Just avoid it. Um, this one, number five, is for teachers only, uh, parent-teacher conferences. My, my little Johnny's GPA has slipped below 4.5. What am I going to do? Calm down, ma'am. Calm down, sir. He's, he's in the first grade. I think, I think he's going to be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Where's my teachers at? Where's my teachers at? Well, we love you teachers. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Number four, MVD. Stay out of there. Never heard such cuss words. And that's just out of my mouth. I mean, come on. It just like makes it happen when you go in there. Uh, number three, keep it local on Facebook. Just stay off of it. God forbid that your neighbor's dog is up barking all night and now the entire town has to know about it, right? I'm not even on the good, the bad, and the ugly. I haven't even gone on that one yet. So uh, anyway, so I can't, I can't speak for that one. Uh, number two, Smith's at 5 p.m. That's uh, just pure insanity. If you want to just train wreck your day, go to, go to Smith's at 5 o'clock. Parking lot, everything. Um, and then number one, uh, this is for the people who live in Los Alamos. Avoid friends in White Rock who invite you to come over to their house for dinner. We bought a house in Los Alamos. We don't like driving down to White Rock. I'm just joking. You White Rock people are like ready to fight. I, say, I joke on that on purpose because I want to highlight who's my White Rock people. Okay, good, good, good. Thank, let's give them a round of applause. No, I, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. I joke because I love you guys every single week. You guys are making that trip and that haul up here. 
Uh, I appreciate it. Um, if we continue to grow at, at the rate that we've been growing, you may be our launch team for a campus down in White Rock one day. And so we thank you so much for and appreciate what you guys do on just driving. So I, I like the joke. I like the kid. If you don't know me, you're like, is there a real pastor coming on the stage anytime soon? I'm it. So if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. But I want to continue to love Los Alamos. And the thing is, you, you have to look for it. Like if you want to find things to not like about Los Alamos, you're going you're gonna to find it. You're going to see it and you can focus on it, but you got to, sometimes you really got to look, but I, I get it for some of it, but you got to look to find it. Now, in this Love Los Alamos series, the first two weeks have kind of been part one, part two of Los Alamos needs a healthy you. If you're really, truly going to be able to love Los Alamos and reach this town, then we need you taking next steps of, of faith in your relationship with Jesus. And we talked about last week, uh, come to church because God's power is there. His presence is there and it flows through his people. But this week is very much a message of I want to kick you out of the church. Don't just come to church, but I want to kick you out. And when you leave here, God's going to give you opportunities to love on the people around you. But to see them as God sightings, to see them as an open door, you're going to have to have your eyes open in looking for ways to love Los Alamos. It's not always the most seen thing. This is what Jesus said after he uh, died on the cross, after he rose from the dead, after all of, many of his followers, several people saw Jesus alive. It's the basis of Christianity, that, that Jesus was dead, he's alive, he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the one. And then he's going to give them a task and then poof, he's gone. And he says it's, it's your game now, as he would say to us. It's, it's you. I'm not leaving you alone. He says this. He says, you will receive, say this word with me, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he's leaving. The Holy Spirit is going to come and take up residence in the believers. And he says, you will be my witnesses. What's a witness? Someone who's going to speak about things they've seen, experienced, Heard. So you have to go and look for these things. And then you go and talk about these things. That's where the power comes from. You want God's power? Be His witness. And He says, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we're not first century Jews. So it doesn't always stand out to us. He says... Jerusalem and Judea. Okay, good. That's like home court advantage. I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Samaria. Wait, did he just say Samaria? Like we're not first century Jews, so we don't quite understand that Samaria was hated. They didn't want, they walked around Samaria. We don't go to Samaria. Go to the ends of the earth. What? I thought this was for us. No. And this is the mission. He's saying it's going to be messy. This is for the world. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncertain. You're going to have to go to places that you may not want to go, but that's who I've called you to go reach. And we are here in Los Alamos on purpose, on mission, in this time specifically designed by God. It is no accident that you're here. And he says, go. He says, go. So as a church, I don't know exactly what the number count is here. It doesn't matter, but... When he leaves these guys, this isn't on the, on the screen, Becky, I'm kind of adding this in. 
In verse 15, Jesus is gone of Acts chapter 1. And it says, during this time, there was about 120 believers. And they were together in one place. Then 120 to, to go accomplish this world mission? That's what they started with. Seemingly, maybe something insignificant. Maybe irrelevant, I don't know. But we're roughly 120 or so of us gathered here. So picture a group around this size. And he's saying, go change the world which is the message Jesus wants to send us today, Freedom Church. Go change the world. You have this mission. And so, <laughs> okay, we're going to go. I can think of about a million reasons as to why this is not going to be a good idea. I mean, let's just start with the church. And, and what is it known for today? Just today. Is the church known as a loving place? Maybe for us, you're like, yeah, I love the church. It's generous and it's, it's fine. And I, that's, the, that's what I want it to be. But let's just, culturally, the church, so some of it's the opposite. When, when they think of the church, it's not love. It's a, a group of hate. For some, for some people, they see the church as it's a threat in the way they do things. To me, the, the, the biggest one that I come across, it's not that people are fine with church. Like, fine, you go do your thing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go to church or anything like that. They see it as massively irrelevant. It, it plays no relevance in their life whatsoever. And I'm not trying to, like, bash anyone. I'm just trying to say, what is the current state of what the church is known for? We've got a lot of things maybe working against us. And this church that started in the first century had a lot of things working against them. They had no money, no power. Their leader had just left. Now they're going to be guided by the Spirit. What do we do? And you know what happened with this group that seemingly had all the odds stacked against them? They changed the world. Not, through the, not because of them, but through them, they changed the world because the power of God showed up in their life. You know what they were characterized by? They were characterized by love. They, they were known more for their generosity than they were their beliefs. Think about that. That, that the people kind of, look at this group of people. They, they, the women have dignity in this group. That's totally different in that culture. This idea that God is love, that, that comes from Jesus. That he loves everyone, every single human on this planet. Samaria? Yeah, they have dignity too. God loves them too. And so they were known for how they loved people, how they gave respect and dignity to everybody, how they were generous and just gave to people in need. It was different and it caught the attention of the world. Imagine if that was what the church was characterized by today. Imagine your, your, your skeptical neighbor kind of leaning in, saying, I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I'm going to go to church. But I kind of want it to be true. If that's, if that's Christianity, if that's how they live, your, your, your atheistic physicist co-worker kind of leans in and says, I don't believe it, but man, that... I kind of like that. I kind of want that. I kind of would want that to be true. 
It changed the world once, and I believe it can change it again. That's why we've done Love, Love Los Alamos in this series. That's, that, it's messy. It's not fun. It's not easy. It, you have to have some difficult conversations sometimes with some people. You have to confront some realities that the church is massively irrelevant. Okay, that's fine. Let's go out and work with that. But how do we make it relevant? How do we, how do we see it? You're going to actually go do something. The church was not wrapped up so much about what they believed. If, what's the church known for? Fighting about beliefs, about secondary beliefs. If you read the New Testament, if you read these authors, and as they go through, the core beliefs, beliefs are important, don't get me wrong, but the core beliefs are extremely clear. Jesus goes to his disciples and says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a teacher. And Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? That's the question you have to answer. That's the question we all have to answer. Who is Jesus? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. Translation, Messiah means anointed one. You're the Savior. Like nobody else is coming. You're it. That's all we're banking on for salvation. It's you, Jesus. You, Jesus. He says, you got it right. That's pretty clear. The core beliefs, Jesus is the Messiah. That's pretty clear. But what do we get wrapped up around? Bible translations, church government structure. We, is Freedom Church, are you, are you guys, do you guys believe in predestination? Are you guys Calvinists? If, if, I mean, we can have these conversations, but listen, if you're coming to me wanting to know if, we're a, if I believe in predestination, you're probably predestined not to come here. Because I just, I'm not, I'm not worried about secondary issues. I want to love people in front of me. I want to point them to Jesus. And when you see the surprise, the surprise when you read the New Testament, it's not stacked up with believe this, believe this, believe this, believe this. It's very much a go do this. Go live this thing out. You know what you believe. Jesus is the Messiah. It's pretty clear. Now go live it out. Go follow him. Jesus says, come and follow me. That's why we say, go take your next steps with Jesus, because there's a next step for you to take. So I want to read out of John chapter 3, because he, 1 John, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, there's a bunch of Johns, it's all the same author, but 1 John chapter 3, he says, this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. See, this idea... <laughs> This idea, I want to kind of reemphasize this, that, that God is love, which he, he say, states that in chapter 4, God is love. That everyone has dignity, that we should lo be loving humanity, everyone else. It's a uniquely Christian idea. This was totally different from, from around those days. And this is still radically different from the way our world lives today. But it comes from Christianity. They say, love one another. So if you've walked away from Christianity... If you're here today and you've walked away from the church because of this infighting that you see, or if you, if you saw some things happen in an unloving way, maybe you walked away for good reason. Like if I heard your story, I wouldn't blame you. I'd say, yeah, I would have walked away too. I want to introduce you to the pure Christianity. What did these guys who walked and talked with Jesus say how to live this life, how to love their community? He says, go and love people. That's what I want you to do. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. Go and love people. We know, he says in verse 16, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. 
See, for John, who's writing this, you've got to understand this. He did not know he's writing the Bible. John's writing this as a letter to other believers saying, you guys need to know this. I walked and talked with Jesus. I was one of the original 12 disciples. I was actually one of the three. I was on the inside. You got to know the things that I saw. And he says, he says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's not a fairy tale to him. He was there. He saw it with his own eyes. He was standing with his mom, Mary, right beside him. So if you were to hear John, he would say, guys, listen, I saw Jesus. Like, I had to turn away. It was so grotesque. I could smell the stench that was going. I couldn't recognize my friend. He was beaten so much on that cross. And in his final moments, I don't even know how he did this, but he looked at me. And he looked at his mom and he said, behold, your mother. He wanted me to take care of his mother. He looked at Mary and she said, behold, your son. He said, there's a new family unit that's taking place here amongst the believers, the followers who are going to carry this thing. This wasn't a myth or a fairy tale. I know what real love is because something happened. Real love is action. It is verb. It is something happened. And so we ought to also give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Who's our brothers and our sisters? Very simply, anyone who has a need you can meet. Anybody that has a need you can meet is your brother, your sister, your neighbor in this way of doing life. So in light of what Jesus did, of what I saw him do for me on the cross, how I saw him pay the price for my sin, John says, you got to go live that way for other people and love on them too. give up your life for their sake. He doesn't stop because you're like, well, uh, am I going to die today? Because <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to give up my, you know, probably not going to be giving up your life and dying. So short of dying, what does this mean? What does this look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You may not be glad you asked because he gives us an example. He says, if someone has enough money to live well, that's us. Most of us have a house for our car. We live in one of the richest counties in the U.S. And, and while compared to other people, you may not be as rich or whatever. If you compare yourself to the global population, we're like in the top 10% of income family-wise. I'm not knocking money. It's okay to have money. It's to understand that we're living well. We are in this category. And he says, if anyone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in this person? Now, I love reading out of the Bible translation of the NLT. I know it's knocking on Bible translations, but this one doesn't quite capture the meaning. It's a little bit more uh, grotesque. If, if you go back to the King James Version, old school, let's read this one together. It's up on the screen. It says, <laughs> But whoso hath this world's goods and, and seeth his brother in need, has shutteth upeth, or shutteth up his bowels of compassion. It, it's literally what it means in the Greek, that your bowels are shut up. John's translation is saying, if you see somebody in need, and you get financially constipated, you're full of something, but it's not the love of God. That's what he's saying. you got to read your Bibles, okay? Get in the Word. Look it up. It's in there. He's using a graphic illustration to say, this is how I want you to live. So if you lock up, 
show you something that's taken place in your heart? What if our hearts were a little bit more open to being giving and being generous and being loving? Maybe our world would be less resistant to the message of Jesus if we didn't get locked up in our hearts. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series, After God's Own Heart. None of us in here would say, I'm greedy. Not a single person would say, I'm greedy. We'd say, I'm careful with my money, right? But every now and then, our hearts show themselves. I'm not angry, just frustrated. Every now and then, our hearts reveal themselves. And we like, oh, it's just a moment. I want to invite you. We're going to spend some weeks looking at our hearts and not just dealing with symptoms, but really, really getting after these things. You don't have to be controlled by your emotions. So we're going to look at some of these emotions that control us. And John says, this isn't love. That's not, if you, if you were there with me, if you saw what I saw, you wouldn't be locked up about this. Because that's not how Jesus lived his life. The question I want to ask you today this is the question that's going to kind of dovetail the rest of the talk today. In 2020, do you want more stuff or do you want more stories? Stories. We all want more stories, right? And we would say that, but sometimes we don't always know how to manage that or do that. But I want a church that understands we're about stories here. Every, every, every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters tremendously to God. And John would say, are you more about your stuff? Because I want to be, and God wants to be more about the stories. And so he goes on, he says, dear children, let's not just merely say that we love one another. Let's be more than songs and sermons. That's great to come to church and sense God's presence and feel his power, but he's going to send you out. And so he says, let's show. I want a church that shows our love through our actions, show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so that we will be confident when we stand before God. John actually kind of says, you want some assurance in your relationship with God? You want some assurance that you're right in right standing with God? A lot of us say, well, I got, I got baptized here. I prayed a prayer here. And those are good things, believe me. But he says, your assurance, look at your life. It's going to be in the love that you show, in the love that you do. Are you living this thing out, taking your next steps? John gives us a powerful message to say, if you truly want to love Los Alamos, it's going to show in your life. All of us want more stories. We don't want to be selfish. It's why I love this church. It's one of the things since we started, you guys have been generous. I'm not trying to correct anything. just want to encourage you to take your next steps. But if you're considering being a part of this church, this church is a lot of fun. And you've got a lot of leaders here, a lot of people who get this. And, and there's some stories that you, you need to hear. We have a Love Los Alamos fun. It's one of these things. If you don't know about it, you, you got to know about this fun. We, every dollar that's given here, 10% of it goes directly into this Love Los Alamos fund. And here's how it works. 
when you leave here and your eyes are open and you see a need, there's funds available to meet it. I might see someone and maybe they're in financial need. Well, I don't have a couple hundred bucks to spare. Or maybe in Los Alamos, this is kind of how it works out. Someone's not in financial need, but they've gone through hell this past week or this past month and they got, they got in this sickness and they just need some love. Well, I don't have, I don't have money to, to spare. Or we have a fund set up called the Love Los Alamos Fund. And here's how you tap into that. The person that you see that's in need, that you want to help, that you just want to love on. If it's $250 or less, the person lives in Los, Los Alamos County, because we just, right, right now, we just want to love on our county. And your connect group, this is why you got to get in a connect group, but if your connect group agrees to it, those three things, $250 or less, they live in Los Alamos County. Your connect group agrees to it. It's a green light. It's an automatic go. You, no questions asked. You just, you go, we'll get, get you the check and you get to go deliver it and build that relationship. No strings attached. Like we just want people to know they matter to God, whether or not God matters to them. Just love people. We've been doing that and it communicates love every single time. Now you're like, Mike, what if it's above 250? What if it's outside of the, the, the parameters? Well, we can still give. We just need to, you will, if it's $500, we're just going to make sure we got funds in there to give it. If it's outside of Los Alamos County or something else, we just want to make sure it fits within the mission of our church. And I'll tell you, I don't think we've said no yet. But the best is when it comes within your groups because your groups are having this conversation, not to gossip, but to love people. And it's been awesome. So if you don't know this fund exists, it exists. So when you leave here today, you see a need. You can meet that need. That's why it's there. At Christmas time, we gave a fund or we did a Christmas offering. It was a one-time offering. We said at Christmas, on this Sunday, during this week, we're not going to give away 10%, 100%. Whatever you give during the Christmas offering, the Lovelos Alamos Christmas offering, 100% will be given away. You guys, you gave 7,500 and I think 30, no, 7,574 dollars at Christmas. Can I just say thank you? All of it has been given away. As of last week, it has been given away. Every single penny has been given away. We gave uh, half of that money. We said it's going to go to a local nonprofit, and this year we gave it to Hope Pregnancy Center to just go and love on them. Because a big part of our mission, I don't want to try to recreate the wheel. We want to find other nonprofits in Los Alamos who are knocking it out of the park, who are loving Los Alamos, and we want to get behind them and say, go, go do your thing. We love you. We support you and do that. And so we were able to, to provide them a check with over $3,000. And then we were able to just meet individual needs and just love on people in Los Alamos with some of that money, to love on families. And the stories have been phenomenal. One of them you got to hear about because I went over to go give them the check and um, the person opened the door and I said, hey, the church took the offering and we wanted to just give this to you and love on you. And they said, thank you. They were excited but it was just, it's pretty short, and that's fine. That's, there's not a show. It's just, hey, we want to love on you, and, and, and this is it. A little while later, I get a text message, and it said, um, 
when we gave to the Christmas offering on the Sunday morning, we had the time where it was time to give. And God told me to give $10 and put it into the offering bank. What you need to know is that, was that $10 was the most generous gift that this church has ever received, probably will ever receive. Because what, what they told me was that $10 was the last $10 in their bank account. They had no more money after that. God, are you sure about this? Because I have no more, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm, I'm not sure I can take this step of, are you sure, God? I mean, I've heard some things, God. I think I've heard some next steps. No. Okay. Take a step of faith and I'll put it in. I'll trust you, God, and wait on you. Now, I didn't know this story. I had no clue about this. The leaders, as we just kind of figure out, okay, how do we want to distribute these funds? We'll just kind of pray about it. And we felt impressed for this person to go and love on them and give them some funds. This isn't a, hey, you give $10 and God's going to give you $100 and we get more money. It's not how it works. This is all about taking your next step of faith and trusting God with whatever he's calling you to in the uncertainty of that moment. Here's what I want you to know. This type of faith is taking place in your midst. I love this church. God is going to get behind people who say, I'm going to live this thing out. If you, the answer is yes, before you even tell me what to do, Jesus. And that is why I love being part of this church. And you've seen God moving in your life. And you see God moving in other people's lives. This is a church not to come and consume, but to take your next step of faith and contribute. The stories that we, these are just a few of the stories, but it blows my mind, the generosity. Jesus said this, he said this, he said, he said, I tell you the truth. He'd watch all these people give money. And Jesus says, there's this lady, she came in, this poor widow, she had given more. Then all the rest of them, for they had given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, as poor as she is, has given everything she has. This generosity catches fire. I'm not, now, this isn't a calling for everyone because I'm just, if you hear me saying, oh, I got to give all my money to the church. No. Chances of God telling you to do that are, are, are rare. In fact, if you would do that, I would pause and, and, and talk and get some counsel. At the same time, you got the other people on the other end who are financially constipated and like, well, I don't know, I can't do that. You have some questions too. But in this case, he's saying it's not about dollar amounts. It's heart. It's not a percentage. It's your heart. And Jesus sees the heart is what he's concerned about. That, that he left them. In Acts chapter 8, he says, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I came running out into the crowd last week. I'm not going to do it this week. I got a chainsaw in my hand. But I'll, I'll tell you something. This is not a threat to you right now. Even if I were to go running out and do ah, nothing. Why? It's not on. There's no power. There's, there's nothing that is transpiring here that is a threat. But he says, 
If you want my power, the Holy Spirit will come when you are my witnesses. I want a church that cranks it up this year in 2020. That is, I don't know, am I good enough to do this? Can I really, I mean, if you knew what I was thinking last night, if you knew what I've done in my past, I'm not worthy to pull this cord, God. Can you really use me? And the answer is yes to every single one of us. Yes to every single one of your sins. Yes to every single one of your failures. Whatever it is, he's calling you today to say, crank it up. You have God on your back saying, let's go. Don't live 2020 like you did 2019, wondering what if. When the, I'm not going to crank it because I'm terrible with, with tools and construction, and it will just end bad. It will be the worst sermon you've ever seen in your life. All right? I'm not going to crank it. But you get the picture. I'm not a threat. The devil wants you, he wants you to be discouraged or distracted. He knows you can't be defeated. He knows as soon as you crank it up, he's toast. So he'll try to distract you and get you busy in a loaded schedule, or he'll try to discourage you with your past. And if you can get past those things and actually use those to fuel your purpose, you're going to see amazing things, amazing power take place in your life. Things that would, God would just blow you away. So let's crank it up. Let's love on the people around us. Let's get our eyes open off of us when we go out into this world and say, I, wanna, I see a need, I'm going to meet a need. Financially, with, a, with your words to encourage people, a smile, a facial expression. But let's live this a little bit differently, 120 of us, on a mission to change the world. That was the mission that these guys were given. This is the mission that we're given. Devil wants you to stay down. But I want 2020. I want 2020 to be the, 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 the year I tell the devil, hey, the, all the stuff in my past, it's a reminder. It's a reminder that I serve a powerful God. I serve a, a God of purpose, a God of love, and all of that junk in my past that keeps me from, from picking up the chainsaw, from, keeps me from cranking this thing up, all of that stuff in the past is actually going to serve to proof of all the potential, because I serve the King of Kings. I serve the Messiah, this core belief, this Savior of the world, who was dead, and now He's alive. And because of that, all things, all things are possible. Nothing in your life is impossible in Christ. I don't... I just feel, I feel, I feel like God's, I don't know what it is between you, what is calling you resistance to pull this cord. What is it that is this thing? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's jealousy. These emotions that we're going to talk, I don't know what it is. Something's keeping you from resisting. Can we get past that? Because right there, you unlock some things in your life. You're going to find freedom when you do this. I want a church that loves, just loves people. And you do that, you'll change the world. One story, one story at a time. So if you're with me, on your mark, get set. Let's go.
get out of here and go love Los Alamos. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.